Hey, good morning, family. My name is Brandon Wirth. It's good to be with you, even if it is virtually. I am one of the missional community leaders for the Lakewood MC, and it's a joy to get to open up God's Word with you this morning. We are going to continue on in our series on Joseph, and we are going to be going through chapters 46 through 49 today. But before we jump in, I, I want to um, take us back to the beginning. In the very beginning of this story, we see that other of this family made a coat of many colors for Joseph. And then we hit this sentence, this phrase in Genesis 37.4 that talks about uh, how, the, how Joseph's brothers respond to um, Jacob having playing favorites. We see it says, But when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all his brothers, they hated him and could not speak peacefully to him. Peacefully. They could not speak peacefully to him. That word peaceful there is translated from the word shalom. And that word shalom is what I really want to talk to you about today. Uh, Shalom, it's a loaded word. Every Sunday throughout this series, we've asked you to text someone, peace be with you, and then to respond to those texts saying, and also with you. And shalom means peace and a deep level of peace. When we, when we text each other that, we're not just saying the, the peace in times of war, like I, I hope that you don't have to fight your adversaries today. But what we mean is, is that there's a deep sense of wellness with you, that, there, that you experience wholeness and flourishing and an abundance of God's grace today. What if we texted that to each other? Just, hey, sister, I'm praying for your wholeness today. And we responded, I'm praying for yours. Um, that shalom encapsulates all of that. Shalom is, is a deep sense of peace, a deep sense of wholeness, that the, that the things that were broken have been made right and in Israel, even today, when you greet someone or say goodbye to someone, you say shalom. And what you're literally saying is, may you be full of well-being or may health and prosperity be upon you. And an author, Cornelius Plantinga Jr., drives this, home, this point home really well. He says, in the Bible, shalom means universal flourishing, wholeness, and delight a rich state of affairs in which natural needs are satisfied and natural gifts fruitfully employed, a state of affairs that inspires joyful wonder as its creator and savior opens doors and welcomes the creatures in whom he delights. Shalom, in other words, is the way things ought to be. The way things ought to be. So in the beginning of this story of Joseph, we see that his brothers could not speak wholeness over him or delight over him. They didn't want him to flourish. And has that ever happened to you? Do you have those moments of, of maybe disliking somebody so much or having such a relational struggle or even hatred towards somebody that you can't speak peacefully towards them that you're say on your way to a party and you're like oh no I bet Hank's gonna be there <laughs> whoever Hank is I'm so sorry if your name's Hank uh, and you're just like okay but no okay I'm gonna be calm if I see Hank there I'm gonna be so cool about it 
And then the second you see Hank and he comes up and he's like, hi, you're just like, all right, Hank, I've had enough of it. That you couldn't even speak peacefully to him. That, that you couldn't, it just, it doesn't seem like it's in you to want good for that person. Well, that's how Joseph's brothers felt. And how amazing that we see, and as Dawson preached on last week in chapter 45, that we saw reconciliation happen. That those brothers who could not speak peacefully to him, that ultimately sold him into slavery, was reconciliation and redemption in that relationship. And that they longed for each other's wellness and got to experience shalom together. So we're going to spend today talking about shalom, and we're going to talk about the shalom, the wholeness, the flourishing, the peace that Jacob experiences when interacting with God. We're going to talk about the shalom that Israel experiences in this new time that they spend in Egypt where they grow into a great nation. And then we're going to talk about the shalom that the sons of Jacob experience. Finally, We're going to point to the permanent shalom that we can experience because of the line of Judah. So chapters 46 and 49, they can read like the happy ending of a story. We see the protagonist has made it through the trials and the tribulations. There's been reconciliation. And now we just get to sit back and watch. We get to sit back and see what the characters do with their newfound freedom on the other side of all that hardship. That's how these can read. However, and this is a pretty big however, most of us know that there's a there's a good bit of Bible left after Genesis in this piece, this flourishing that Jacob's family experiences in Egypt. It's temporary. That their abundance that they get from Pharaoh, that they are blessed with from Pharaoh, will ultimately turn into abuse from another Pharaoh in Exodus. And that their prosperity that they experience will turn into imprisonment. Shalom, wholeness, things being back to how they ought to be, will be broken and repaired, shattered, repaired, over and over, until self enters the picture. But we're going to get into that in a little bit. (laughs) Uh, Open with me to Genesis 46. And as you're opening there, I just want to ask you the, the question I have for you today so that it can be on the forefront of your minds. And that question today is where do you look for shalom? Where do you go to find shalom? What does your heart say? What what do your actions say about where you think you can find wholeness, where you can find wellness, where you can find peace? When times are tough, when you're experiencing famine, like we see here in the story, whether that's spiritual famine, relational famine during this quarantine season, where do you look? Where do you go? Where's Search your heart. Um, where are you running to? Because I want to point us today to God. And I want us to worship and praise God for being our perfect, permanent shalom. Because again, we're going to see that God brings shalom to Jacob 
We're going to see him bring shalom to Israel and then Jacob's sons. And all of that is actually telling a story that what seems to be just this kind of small family story is actually all about a perfect savior coming found through the line of this family that will bring permanent peace, permanent shalom. And that is where we should go to find wholeness, to find peace today. And it would take us the entire time I have this morning to read through all four chapters. So instead of walking through it verse by verse, we're going to kind of fly over it and point out some landmarks on our way through. Each of these chapters are incredible and they point to an incredible savior. So I strongly recommend reading them this week and digging deeper. But let's do a quick overview of the story so far, because I think that'll help us as we move forward. We see that Joseph was Jacob's favorite son. His brothers hated him for it, and they abandoned him into slavery. Joseph goes through a chain of events that leads him from prison into the second highest position in Egypt, only to Pharaoh. Now, Egypt and Canaan, where Joseph's family still lives, they face a terrible seven-year famine forcing his brothers to come to Egypt, begging for food. And who do they meet when they go to beg for food? They meet their brother that they sold into slavery. They don't know it for a while, but it's there that Joseph forgives his brothers and has them and their families all come live with him in Egypt, where they will experience a great abundance, a great flourishing. And all of Jacob's family All of God's people, the Israelites, will move from the land that was promised to Abraham and they will move to Egypt. So starting at the end of chapter 45, we see that the sons of Jacob return to their father and they deliver the great news that Joseph is still alive. And not only that, he is in the He is basically the ruler over all of the land of Egypt. Now, as Jacob and his family face the beginnings of seven years of famine, Joseph, through his brothers, invites Jacob, his dad, to leave the land of his fathers and come to Egypt. And in chapter 46, we see this really cool section where we see Jacob having fears. He fears leaving Canaan the land that was promised to go out to Egypt. And he has this conversation with God. And uh, so let's look at that together. So chapter 46, starting in verse two. And God spoke to Israel in visions of the night and said, Jacob, Jacob. And he said, here I am. I'm sure he said it cooler than that. Then he said, I am God, the God of your father. Do not be afraid to go down to Egypt, for there I will make you into a great nation. I myself will go down with you to Egypt, and I will also bring you up again, and Joseph's hand shall close your eyes. And let's camp here for just a second. God offers Jacob a great peace in the midst of his fear. God reminds Jacob that one, he remembers his promises, that he's going to make him into a great nation, that two, I will be with you as you go out into the unknown. 
Don't you sing the Frozen 2 song. Three, I will bring you back again to the promised land. Four, God generously provides not only a reminder of these long-term promises, but also current comfort that the son that he has been mourning for 22 years because he believed he was dead, that son is going to be with him and close his eyes into death. He's going to be with him for the rest of Jacob's life. Family, we're on a journey right now as a church. And some of us may be feeling like Jacob. We might be feeling fearful, like we're leaving the promised land and heading off into some unknown territory. Where are we going? And is that you? Because if so, God wants to remind you here as he's reminding Jacob that he remembers his promises. He will go with us into the unknown. He will bring us back to the promised land and he's going to comfort us. And so as we think of our theme today and the theme of these chapters, Shalom, I want to stop and ask us all to do a heart check. Do you believe that God will make good on his promises to not leave us or forsake us, that he will go out with us, that he will be with us as we take what may feel like detours, as we leave the promised land and go somewhere else that we're like, this seems off the rails. I don't know where we're headed. Do you believe that he's with you then? Do you believe he's with you now in this coronavirus season? Um, that, your, that our current circumstances, do you believe that our current circumstances are actually all a part of his perfect plan of bringing us back to the promised land, bringing us back before the throne of God? Do you believe that he wants to comfort you? Continuing on in chapter 46, we're going to hit a, a genealogy section. And it's a genealogy of Jacob's family. And I was so blessed to get to talk to Ben Arnold, our resident scholar and incredible human being. And Ben Arnold really helped bring this to life. And I'll forever look at genealogies different because of him. And I want to hit some of the things that he talked about. Genealogies like this one near the end of uh, chapter 46, they provide shalom. They provide peace and wholeness because they remind us that the Bible is true, that it's a historical record. This family line really brings a cohesive whole through the book of Genesis. These aren't just scattered stories, but one story moving toward and pointing to the person and work of Jesus Christ. By laying out each person, we have a line to trace now, a historical record. We also see that while God keeps his promise to this family, to Israel, he also cares about individuals, as they're named here. He cares about you. He cares about our, our family, yes, and also individually. And genealogies, at the same time, show us that he's telling a story about family, that God is telling a family story, that he is re redeeming his people back to his family. And finally, genealogies point us to Jesus, as again we will see in Genesis 49 later today. So I challenge you, next time you're reading the Bible and you hit a genealogy section, ask God to remind you that these are actually rich testimonies of his faithfulness, that his word is true. This isn't fiction. This is his historical record. And the genealogies are telling a story about his family, a family that's going to burst wide open through Jesus Christ. And again, we'll get to that in a minute. 
at the end of 46 and into 47, we see Jacob reunited now with his son after 22 years. After 22 years of thinking, he was dead. So at the end of 46 in verse 30, we see it says, Israel said to Joseph, Now let me die since I have seen your face and know that you are still alive. It's interesting to compare that response to hearing of Joseph's death that we saw earlier in this story. Because he says, he says then when he hears of Joseph's death or his opposed death, his proposed death, now I shall go down to Sheol to my son mourning. I'm going to spend the rest of my days mourning my son. What can we learn from this? I mean, one, Jacob's kind of morbid. He likes talking about death a lot. <laughs> but we see just this transformation. Now let me die. He's overwhelmed with joy since I have seen your face and know that you are still alive. How beautiful. And not only that, or not only are we seeing shalom, uh, the way things ought to be coming back together through Jacob. So God reminds him of his promises. God answers those fears that he's feeling and then also brings him before Jacob or brings him before Joseph and he can go, wow, I can die now. I know my son is alive and that he's flourishing. But we also see Israel prosper in this story. We see Joseph and his family speak with Pharaoh and Pharaoh gives them an incredible piece of land, Goshen. This location of the land is actually really important because it offered both protection, they were in Egypt now, um, but they also were right on the border of Egypt and able to keep their family identity. It's here in Goshen that Israel multiplies into a great nation. And once again, we can see that God keeps his promises, that Israel, in the midst of a famine, is growing, is multiplying, is flourishing, and is becoming a great nation. How amazing. We first saw God bring peace, specifically to Jacob, that God would be with him. Now we see God brings flourishing to, to Israel, to God's people. Genesis 47, 27 says, Thus Israel settled in the land of Egypt, in the land of Goshen, and they gained possessions in it and were fruitful and multiplied greatly. Isn't it interesting that God uses Joseph to bring about the prosperity for Israel? And that not only that, not only does he, not only does the, the son that was sent into slavery and left the land, that that would bring about prosperity to the people, to Israel, but not, but it goes further still that that it brings about prosperity for Pharaoh in the livelihood of the people of Egypt. Without Joseph's interpretation of Pharaoh's dreams earlier in the story, this kingdom would have been wiped out. So we see that because we have a God of peace, so too can we fight for the flourishing of the people around us. That that peace that Joseph had, the flourishing and abundance that Joseph um, had found, he used it not only to bless his family, his people, but it was used to bless Egypt, the people that weren't necessarily his family. Um, I think that's really beautiful. So how would Tacoma, how would your neighborhood 
look different if the peace and hope you have in God was shined bright through you. And as we move forward, we're going to go into a section in chapters 48 and 49 where Jacob's going to bestow blessings and some curses on his sons. I think some context is really helpful here because this section of blessings and curses, it's not just a string of compliments to some sons and then some like super harsh disses to some of his other sons. These blessings and curses are authoritative and predictive that before the prophets came in the Old Testament, God used the patriarchs to really speak prophetic words. So these blessings and curses are actually directed by God. They come true. And in chapter 48, he adopts Joseph's two sons, these Egyptian sons, um, and Ephraim. So he brings them in to God's people in a way. And then he blesses them. And peculiar, peculiarly, he bestows the greater blessing on the younger son not the oldest, which is what the tradition would be, that the firstborn gets the, gets the blessing. Manasseh, the oldest son, will be a people, but Ephraim, the younger son, will be a multitude of nations. Jacob prays a blessing over them, and it says uh, in verse 15, the God before whom my fathers, Abraham and Isaac, walked, the God who has been my shepherd all my life long to this day, the angel who has redeemed me from all evil, bless the boys and in them let my name be carried on in the name of my fathers, Abraham and Isaac, and let them grow into a multitude in the midst of the earth. Jacob prays for the flourishing of his two new sons. And then we head into chapter 49. And he continues the blessings now with his original 12 sons. And he starts with his firstborn, Reuben. In what seems like it's going to be a positive blessing. Let's look at it together. So 49 verse 3. Reuben, you are my firstborn, my might, and the first fruits of my strength. Preeminent in dignity and preeminent in power. You can see this, feel this with me, where all of the sons gather around Jacob's bed and, and what might be the final words from him. He's, he's imparting these blessings on them. So they're circled around hearing these blessings. And here he's talking to Reuben and using these encouraging words, my might and the first fruits of my strength. And you can almost see Reuben's kind of puff out as he's kind of looking to his other brothers of like, wow, check this out. Dad's about to bless me. And then, uh-oh, wha-bam, <laughs> here it comes. Unstable as water, you shall not have preeminence because you went up to your father's bed. Then you defiled it. He went up to my couch. Because of Reuben's sin, no prophet no king, no judge will ever come from this family line. Reuben's family will disappear into history. And two more of Jacob's sons that he had with Leah are cursed, Simeon and Levi, and their families will be divided and scattered due to their genocidal slaughter of the Shechemites. 
And so now we get to Judah. And do you remember about a month ago when the story took us on this kind of side tangent or kind of dropped in the side story of Judah sleeping with and impregnating the wife of his dead son while thinking he was visiting a prostitute? Yeesh. (laughs) But Judah owns the wickedness. He says, she is more righteous than I. He owns that the tarnished record, that the sin is on him. And now that man, Judah, stands there with his brothers as he just heard his dad curse his other brothers who were in sin. And he must have been shocked to hear this blessing that we're about to read. Let's read this together. Chapter 49 Verses 8 through 12. Judah, your brothers shall praise you. Your hand shall be on the neck of your enemies. Your father's son shall bow down before you. Judah is a lion's cub from the prey. My son, you have gone up. He stooped down. He crouched as a lion and as a lioness. Who dares rouse him? The scepter shall not depart from Judah nor the ruler's staff from between his feet, until tribute comes to him, and to him shall be the obedience of the peoples, binding his foal to the vine, and his donkey's colt to the choice vine. He has washed his garments in wine, and his vesture in the blood of grapes. His eyes are darker than wine, and his teeth whiter than milk." So in this blessing, we see that through the line of Judah, his family, someone in his family, they will be praised by others. He will be, he will prove triumphant over his enemies. He is like a lion and he will rule eternally as the nations of earth submit to him. Family, all of this comes through, comes true in Jesus Christ who comes from this very bloodline, who comes from the family of Judah. And this is the crux of our story. Based on what comes before the Joseph story, we know that what we're seeing here, this prosperity that Jacob and Israel are are seeing in in Egypt, that we know this isn't the, the happy ending that we ultimately need. This is temporary. You need to only turn the page and look in Exodus to see that we don't get to continue into bliss forever, that this family doesn't get to continue in bliss forever. We see in Exodus 1 verse 8, it says, Now there arose a new king over Egypt who did not know Joseph. And he said to his people, Behold, the people of Israel are too many and too mighty for us. Come, let us deal shrewdly with them. Israel became slaves in the land that was once their freedom. Israel needs a better savior. This was a short-lived shalom that they're experiencing in these chapters. This prosperity that we're seeing, that we're reading this morning, was a band-aid on a cannonball wound. A great chasm between man and God was created when we sinned in the garden. And Joseph, a sinful man, 
cannot fix that. That is a famine that he cannot provide for. And this is where we find that Jesus is a better Joseph. Jesus is our true shalom. Israel, in these chapters, experiences great prosperity. They have an incredible plot of land. A family member is the second highest in command over Egypt. They're experiencing abundance during a time of famine. And yet, through the line of Judah, someone is coming that is worthy of even more praise, that will be even more victorious that will rule and reign forever, and they'll bring so much abundance that he can hitch his donkey to the vine without worrying about the donkey's eating habits, that it can just go nuts because there's so much abundance, that they would have so much wine that they could use it to wash all of their dirty clothes. And we see this phrase in this blessing to Judah, his eyes are darker than wine, his teeth whiter than milk. And while I don't think that's going to be a Colgate teeth whitening slogan anytime soon, it's a really cool phrase because it just, it means that Jesus is going to come as this paragon of power, the embodiment of strength, the image of strength. And it's right here in this blessing from a father to a son that a major zoom out occurs from one family into God's whole family from what was a story of the Israelites to what will, be bec will become a people from every tribe, tongue, and nation. We worship a risen Savior that's been proclaimed since Genesis. This is so important because as we read through the Old Testament, it can be easy to wonder, will God keep his promise to bring permanent shalom through the line of Abraham. And God's people throughout the Old Testament longed for and wondered the same thing. And in Isaiah, the book of Isaiah, there's a popular verse that you see a lot around Christmas time, and it prophesies about a coming Savior, saying, and saying, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, Prince of Shalom. A prince will bring, a prince is coming that will bring restoration to all of the broken things that we experience. A mighty God will bring things back to what they ought to be. And Shalom interestingly, has a companion word in the New Testament, Irene. And Paul in Ephesians 4 has this for us today. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace. He himself is our Irene, our shalom. And now what does he himself, that peace, what does that peace do? What does that wholeness do? Well, he has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. It started in the garden family. By abolishing the law of commandments expressed 
and ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace. And there it is again. Jesus is repairing the brokenness. Irene, peace himself, is making peace. He's restoring our relationship back to what it ought to be. Now let's jump down to verse 18. For through him, we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Is Jesus your savior? And if he is, you are a family member of the household of God. You have a God who is himself peace. He is himself abundance and wholeness and wellness. He alone can fix what is broken and bring permanent shalom. And as we close today, let's go back to the beginning of this Joseph story. Because it's in Genesis 37:14, Jacob asks Joseph to go and see if it is well with his brothers. Wellness there is translated from shalom. In this story, we watched Joseph suffer because of the sins of his brothers. Yet he still fought for their wellness, their shalom, by providing an abundance for their families, bringing them to Egypt. Jesus is a better Joseph because he doesn't just go and see if it is well with us. He doesn't just report back. And he doesn't just provide temporary relief and well-being. Jesus Christ on the cross secures our well-being forever. He secures your wholeness. And because of his faithfulness, because he took all the curses that we, a cursed family, a sinful family, looking to uh, Reuben and Levi, that we, that's, we deserve the curse, just like they did. But Jesus went before the Father and took on our curses so that now we can stand before the Father and we can receive the blessings that Jesus deserved. Friend, are you feeling broken? Are you weary? Are you experiencing a time of spiritual famine? Are you looking to something else other than Jesus to bring wholeness? Do you know that you have a savior that is shalom, that is peace? Whether you're experiencing feast or famine, abundance or absence, there is a savior who offers shalom and that will one day bring us to a place of perfect, permanent peace in his presence. And as we look towards communion, taking communion in your families, in your homes today, I want us to remember that blessing that Jacob gave to Judah in all of the wine imagery that was there, that the line of Judah would bring out an abundance. And we see this in Matthew 26 as well. Jesus is talking to his disciples and says, now, as they were eating, Jesus took bread and after blessing it, 
broke it and gave it to the disciples and says, take, eat, this is my body. And he took a cup and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them saying, drink of it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink again of this fruit of the vine until the day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. Jesus Christ is the abundant vine that we read about. And he poured out himself on the cross for us. His body was broken. His blood was shed. And so we take the communion elements in remembrance of the incredible act that he has made us family. He has secured our shalom on the cross. Let's pray together. Jesus, thank you that we can read through this story of Joseph and we can long and look for a savior and we can know a God that makes good on his promises, that is with us even when we feel lost, that your presence is with us and that you can provide shalom, that no matter where we look, Nothing can provide the shalom that you can, the peace, the wholeness, the wellness. So God, forgive us for looking to other things. Forgive us for the, the mad dash, the scramble to find something else to repair the brokenness in us that only you were meant to repair. Thank you that you are peace. And God, we Take these elements to remember that you died on the cross for our, on our behalf to adopt us into this family, to adopt us in to the family of God, that your blood was shed, your body was broken on our behalf. And we love you, Jesus. Please be our wholeness. May we find shalom in you today. We love you, Jesus. It's in your beautiful name. Amen.
joining us on this Sunday morning. Happy Mother's Day to all of the moms. Um, and pray that you go in peace today in Shalom and enjoy your time together with your families.